it is 9.30, and if I remember correctly, the Village Church starts uh, the worship gathering at 9.30. That, that's right, right? Okay. Good deal. Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. So good to see y'all. So good to see you guys. Miss seeing you guys on a weekly basis. Some of y'all good know morning. my face. Some of y'all know me. And I'm Amos. I used to be one of the staff pastors here at the Village Church. And I'm standing before you guys today. I'm going to be the worship leader today. Yeah, that's pretty exciting stuff, I guess. And I'm standing to give y'all a few announcements. And there are a bunch of them. So y'all bear with me. another me somewhere out here. Welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We are now using Linktree. This allows us to connect to all online information about our church. The giving of tithes and offerings along with our social media platforms, all in one place. Sounds nice. When you scan the QR code located in the worship guide, please point out the location. I probably wasn't supposed to read that, but I did. It's on the inside right of your bulletin. Uh, When you scan the QR code with your phone's camera, you get a short link. When clicked, navigates to a web page with a list of every link that you would need uh, concerning our church. If you are a guest today, welcome. I'm a guest. Welcome. (laughs) We ask that you scan the QR code, again located in the worship guide, and click on the link provided for at TVCHSV. Then click on the menu item for first-time guest. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church by scanning the QR link tree code and using the menu item entitled TVC Giving. This will direct you to the link on our webpage, or you may mail a check to our address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811, or after the service, You may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Today, SEC will meet after the worship service. Sunday equipping classes, that's what SEC stands for, consists of first steps, village kids, youth, and an adult sermon discussion. Afterwards, the Teague Village Group will meet at the church house. September 14th. We have a corporate prayer gathering at 7 p.m. On September 25th, we will celebrate Youth Sunday. Afterwards, the Goodson Village Group will meet in the church house. The Bricker Village Group will meet in the fellowship hall. On October 2nd, we will celebrate communion during our worship service. Afterwards, the Teague Village Group will meet in the church house. Please note the women's ministry event 
event corner on the back of the worship guide. Yep, it's here. So on the back of your worship guide, women's ministry event corner. Tuesday, September 20th at 5.30 p.m., fellowship at the church house followed by Bible study at 6 p.m. Save the date. TBC Women's Ministry will be hosting a fall mini retreat on October 15th from 3 to 7 p.m. Look forward to a time of personal reflection, food, and fellowship. All right, I think that's it. These are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. All right, I just spit my gum out. That's why I turned around like that. (laughs) I thought it would be disgusting for y'all to see it. But I did not, like, change into a different character or anything like that. I'm still the same person. All right, so if you all would stand for our song of preparation. Y'all know this song. Sing it with me. Christ alone. around. 
with trumpets out. Oh, then I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. from Psalm 146, verses 1 and 2, and also verses 5 through 8. I'll read the part that says leader. We'll read the part that says people all together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will give praise to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Amen. 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 Continue standing for our song of praise. Come on, put your hands together, everybody. Y'all know this one. This is a TVC classic. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. People from every nation. People from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. We worship you. 
are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. People from Let's go to the Lord in prayer for a few minutes. Lord, you are good, and your mercy does endure forever. You are our cornerstone. We can build our foundation on you. Even in the midst of storms, you are there. You hold us in the palm of your hands. Nothing can separate us from 
you. You are good all the time. Father, help us to lift up our eyes to see you in the good and in our troubles. To know that you are there, that you're holding us, that you're guiding us, that nothing in this world surprises you. You have been there before there was. And you will be there until there is not. Father God, I just thank you for how great you are. How good you are. Just thinking about the the stars and the planets and all this around us that you spoke into existence just reminds us of who you are. Father, we cannot say enough words of praise for you. But we pray today that you will inhabit the praises of your people. Be with us, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our confession of faith comes from uh, the Westminster Short Catechism. Question 14. What is sin? I will... I will ask the question and you can answer. What is sin? Sin is any failure to measure up to what God requires or any disobedience to his commands. Our scripture reading today comes from Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. The word of the Lord, which came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, during the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of harlotry, and have children of harlotry. For the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel, In the valley of Jezreel. Then she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Name her Lo Rahamah, for I will no longer have compassion compassion on the house of Israel, but I would ever, but that I would ever forgive them. But I will have compassion on the house of Judah and deliver them by the Lord their God, and will not deliver them by bow sword, battle, horses, or horsemen. When she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said, Name him lo for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place 
Where it is said to them, you are not my people, it will be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. And the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together, and they will appoint for themselves one leader. And they will go up from the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's lift this hymn up to the Lord, which says, In Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.
be seated. more announcements for you. Uh, the session will be meeting tonight at 2, this evening at 2 p.m., so can you please uh, keep us lifted up in prayer as we handle the business of the church, and also the memorial service for Larry will be uh, this upcoming uh, Saturday the 24th uh, at 2 p.m. here in the sanctuary. And also, as you can see, we're gonna, we will be having communion uh, today. So we will pass out the bread together, and we will take it together. And then we will pass out the juice and take the juice together. Now, for those of you who prefer a prepackaged um, elements, we will pass those out along uh, with the bread so you can pick uh, which one you would like to uh, partake of today. So now we're going to have a time of prayer supplication. And prayer supplication is a time for us to offer to God you know, the needs that we have in our life. It's a time for us to intercede on behalf of those that we know are suffering and also for us to pray into the sufferings uh, of the world. So let us go to our Father now in a word of supplication, expecting him to hear our prayers. Lord, we want to continue to pray for uh, our sister Mary Lou during this time and the whole Bricker family as they continue to grieve the loss of Larry. So we just continue to, to pray for them, that you will comfort them, that you will watch over them. We do pray for um, just the, the sufferings that we see around us, the sufferings we see here in, in our own city, the sufferings that we see around the world, that, Father, you will minister to um, these places and that you will bring relief, Lord, that you will bring real solutions real comfort. Lord, I pray for um, our church as um, we struggle and as we deal with our issues and as we are broken people coming together. Help us to keep short accounts with one another. Help us to walk alongside of one another in the spirit of mutual brokenness. I pray for those in our congregation who, who are just tired, not sleeping well, maybe feeling a little burned out. Lord, I pray that you would help them to be able to find rest for their souls, rest for their minds, rest for their bodies, and that you would provide the healing that they need. I pray for those who may be struggling financially or relationships. That Father, you would speak into those broken places. That Father, we help our unbelief too, because sometimes I know uh, I, I often function as if um, you're not real. I, I often live like a pagan, Lord. But Father, these the prayers that we offer um, to you is, is not just something that we do as a as a spiritual ritual. It's not just something that we do to, to check off a box. That we're not praying into the deep void of space. We're praying to a personal God 
who is transcendent but who is also close to us and and you hear all of our prayers at the same time and you recognize each of our voices at the same time. And I believe that you hear these prayers of supplication that have been offered up not just from this church but the churches around the world who gather on this Lord's day to praise you and to pray to you. You hear them. The word says you inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, you rejoice over us with shouts of joy. We are your beloveds. And so we're coming to you, praying to you as, 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 as sons and daughters. And you welcome us. So Father, move. So Father, provide. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. If you do have your Bible, open it to Hosea chapter uh, 1. Hosea chapter 1. The DTR talk. Are you familiar with those letters? Have you ever heard of the DTR talk? DTR is an acronym that, def- that, that stands for Define the Relationship. The DTR talk has been around forever. It brings laughter. It can bring tears. It can bring joy. It can bring pain. I bet every adult here at one point in their life had at least had one DTR talk in their life. One DTR talk. And and this is what the DTR talk does. It, It helps you get on the same page with somebody that you are in a relationship with or you think you're in a relationship with. It helps you determine the the current status of that relationship. Are we an exclusive couple? Are we just friends? Like, what is this? What are we? Where is this headed? See, the DTR talk, you know, in my experience, it, it it makes your palms sweaty. Your heart rate increases because you don't know what the results will be from that talk. See, opening that door, it makes you feel vulnerable. You see, the DTR talk, it can result in in you and another person being a couple. And it can also result in you realizing that you're never going to get out of the friend zone. Like, you're, you're there. And the talk can even result in a breakup and the end of a friendship because you and the other person are just not on the same page. You have different expectations. This morning we're going to witness a DTR talk as we begin a new sermon series in the book of Hosea. I'll tie up this series, A Love That Makes Us Whole. A Love That Makes Us Whole. The text is Hosea 1, verses 1 through 11. And the title of this sermon is, Let's Have a DTR Talk. And here's the big idea of this message. The Lord God is the one who defines the relationship between him and his covenant people. The Lord God is the one who defines the relationship between him and his covenant people. Please pray with and for me. 
Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of the word, you have to move. I mean, that's pretty much all I guess all I need to say. Because if you don't move, the word falls flat. It falls flat. It won't penetrate our minds. It won't penetrate our hearts. And it won't change our lives. It won't lead us to a deeper level of repentance. You have to do it. And I pray that you would do it for the glory of Christ and for the good of his beloved. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Charles Dickinson's novel, The Tale of Two Cities, opens with these famous words. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief and the epoch of unbelief. It was a season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had nothing before us. We were all going directly to heaven, and we were all going the other direction. Dickinson's words are, are an accurate description of, of what was happening in ancient Egypt, Israel during the 8th century B.C. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times in the northern kingdom. It was the best of times because at this point, Israel is at the height of its power, privileges, and prosperity. They were doing well. Material, they, they had lots of materialism. They, they were at peace. They had freedom. They, they had affluence. Life was good. But it was also the worst of times because the northern kingdom is covenantally unfaithful to the Lord God. You see, prosperity is not always a sign of blessing. Because sometimes it can pull you away from your God. One pastor says, the hearts of the people are empty. Religion is shallow and corruption is rampant on every hand. You see, the worst of times in Israel is the reason the Lord God calls the prophet Hosea. The worst of times is why the Lord God is going to have this DTR talk with Israel. He sends Hosea to prophesy to the northern kingdom the current state of their relationship with him, and it isn't good. It's the worst of times. The relationship has problems. And remember the big idea. The Lord God is the one who defines the relationship between him and his covenant people, and that's what he's exactly going to do through the prophet Hosea. God lets Israel know through Hosea that the problem is with them, not him. Do I need an amen sign? If you, if you please know the problem is never with God, okay? And he says to them through Hosea, it's not me, y'all, but, it, but it's y'all. It's you. You're the problem. Now, how exactly does he have this DTR talk with Israel through Hosea? He uses Hosea's broken marriage and family to do it. But here's the thing, saints. Hosea isn't married, and nor does he have any kids at this point. He's single. But the Lord commands Hosea to get up, go find a wife, and start a family. So, and what is Hosea's response? His response is obedience. God commands him to go. Hosea goes. 
God commands him to, to go get married. Hosea gets married. God commands him to start a family with his new wife. He and his wife start a family to have kids. Now, there's another com- part of this command to Hosea. God commands him to marry a woman with certain issues. Hosea does not get to run through his list of non-negotiables when it comes to finding a spouse. He obeys the Lord, and he marries a woman with certain issues. Look at verses 2 and 3. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take, go, go. Take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of the Blam. Hosea's wife is named Gomer, and her issues are found in this one phrase that says wife of whoredom. Now, what does that mean? Is she a prostitute by profession? That is the question. Is that what is being said of her? I do not believe, from my studies this week, that Goma works as a prostitute. I don't believe that is her profession. You see, the Hebrew term that is translated wife of whoredom is a verbal form. It's not the noun. The noun form identifies a prostitute every time in the Old Testament. But that's not what's used here. As one commentator says, the Hebrew term refers to more of a trait than a profession. It's a trait than a profession. And one divinity, student, one divinity professor says, for, for Homer, for Hosea, Goma is a wife of whoredom, not because she is a prostitute, but because according to the morals of Israel, she is licentious and she's fast. In her sexuality, she is condemned as being a prostitute, although she is not a prostitute by profession. So what are her issues? She is a promiscuous woman. She has an inclination towards unfaithfulness and waywardness. Hosea marries a woman who will have other men on the side. The marriage is broken. The marriage is broken. And God uses it to symbolize his current relationship with the people of Israel. His marriage with them is broken. It's broken. And this is what he lets them know through this DTR talk. For, for that they are Gomer. That she symbolizes Israel's inclinations towards unfaithfulness and rebellion and sin and idolatry. No, do you know what Gomer's name means in Hebrew? It means whole. So this means all of Israel, from the greatest to the smallest, are in rebellion against the Lord God. The whole nation has gone away, have turned their backs on him. Look at verse 2 again. Look at verse 2 again. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Look Yahweh. The northern kingdom. At this point, Israel, the, God's people divided into two kingdoms at this point of history. The northern kingdom, southern kingdom, which is Judah, and the northern kingdom, which is Israel. And so Hosea is speaking to the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And they have turned their backs on God in the midst of their power, prosperity, and privileges. Again, when Hosea begins his prophecy, they're doing well. Kind of like us. Freedoms. 
Everything's great. There's no suffering yet. Nothing has been taken away yet. Because imagine a prophecy being spoken to you when your life is well. Are you going to receive that? Like, what are you talking about, Hosea? Uh, I'm good. Uh, uh, I'm good. We would treat him just like we treat street preachers now. We walk on by. Because life is well. It's the best of times, and it's the worst of times. Israel is filled with idolatry, disloyalty, economic oppression, and all kinds of sin. You see, it looks good on the surface, but when you dig and dig, you see all the mess. You see all the brokenness. And think about it like this. God is married to a people who have other gods on the side. And it ain't just Israel. What about God's people today? What about the church in America? How are we gone? How are we unfaithful? And what are our gods on the side? Because you got them. I got them. Maybe it's our worship of money. Maybe it's the worship of our American rights. Our freedom our independence, our power, our pleasure, our politics, our gender, our sexuality. What is your God on the side? It might be time for God to have a DTR with all of us, both individually and corporately. He has, why do you think he has his DTR with Israel? Why do you think he's sending the prophet? He has this talk in order for them to confess of their sins and to repent. That's why he's got to pull out the sign. He has this talk so that they can confess their sins and so that they can repent. It's an opportunity. If he didn't love them, he wouldn't even send Hosea to them. He sends Hosea to preach repentance. But his message falls on deaf ears. One commentator says, Hosea's words are meant with resentment and ridicule. He doesn't find a sympathetic ear audience in Israel. Again, when life is well, you don't want to hear bad news. You don't want to hear what's going to be. I'm good, Hosea. Go go down on the other side of town and, and preach that to them because they really need to hear it. We need to hear it. This means the DTR talk God has with Israel is going to result in judgment. Hosea warns Israel of of God's judgment upon them um, through three prophecies. And these prophecies are are revealed in the names of of Hosea and Gomer's three kids. Each name is a a symbol of divine judgment. The The firstborn child is the son. Look at verse 4. God commands Hosea to call him Jezreel. The name in Hebrew means God scatters. God scatters. The Lord is going to scatter all of Israel as a consequence of their rebellion. Their best of times is getting ready to run, to really turn into the best of times. All that power, all those privileges, all that prosperity, 
is getting ready to be taken away. First, the current royal dynasty is going to end. In verse 4, the Lord says to Hosea, For in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. One commentator says God visited the, the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu because his dynasty is no better than Ahab's. It's no better than Jeroboam's the first. And this, his house comes to an end in 752 B.C. with the murder of King Zechariah. And this is recorded in 2 Kings 15. Again, this is history. This is not, you know, some poem or some fairy tale. This is not the Lord of the Rings. This is history. This is not Middle Earth. This happened. Second, the northern kingdom itself ceases to exist. God says to, Hosea, to the people through Hosea, I will put an end to the, kingdom of the, to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And in 733 B.C., the bow of Israel begins to crack because the Assyrians invade the kingdom. This is recorded in 2 Kings 15. And in 722 B.C., the bow completely breaks when Israel's capital, Samaria, finally falls to, falls to the Assyrians. That is recorded in 2 Kings 18. Now, I know for us, you're wondering, Pastor, what in the world does this have to do with us? Uh, we live in 2022. That's no 723 B.C., 722 B.C. Like that, I'm so distant from that. Like, what in the world does this have to do with us? And I'm not talking about what this means for America, because America is not Israel. I'm talking about what this means for the church in America. What does it mean for us as believers? It means that we can, too, fall under God's fatherly discipline for our sins as his people in Christ. Like, do you believe that? Huh? He let us experience the natural consequences of running from him. Please know that. He lets us experience. That doesn't mean he doesn't love us. doesn't mean we're not forgiven. Even as a Christian, my actions have consequences. It does. And when that happens, you will feel, your life will feel like you're in some wilderness. Have you ever felt like your life is in the wilderness? Because God has scattered all your plans, scattered all your dreams, all your material possessions? Have, 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 I'm not the only one who ever felt that. Live long enough. And if you are currently running from him, he's going to get your attention one way or another. And he does so so that you can come back. A late Presbyterian minister says, the principle involved here is that when we reject God, you get in trouble. Hosea is a story of God's faithfulness and love. But one expression of his love is chastisement. Just as a father for a child would cause him to discipline that child when that child is disobedient. Do you believe that? Discipline is not punishment. It is grace. Discipline is not love. It is love. A parent who doesn't love their kids, do not discipline their kids. You don't, that's not love. That is not love at all. 
I mean, if you love them, you will hold them accountable. And why would we expect God to do anything less for us as his beloved? He does that. It's for our good. So don't let us being under grace think grace means no discipline. Grace involves discipline. And that is good. Next, there's also the warning of judgment that comes with the names of, of the second and third child. Now, there's some debate on whether or not these are Hosea's kids because it doesn't say they were born to Hosea. So it, it can appear that, Ho- that Gomer has stepped out and had two kids outside of the marriage. There's so much debate on, on, on which one it is. So I'm going to choose to believe that they are Hosea's kids. So, But again, those two views are acceptable. So she, eventually Gomer gives birth to a middle child, and that second-born child is a little girl, is a daughter. And God commands Hosea to call her name no mercy. For I will know, for I will have no more mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them all. Now that sounds harsh. Doesn't sound like the God of the New Testament. Doesn't sound like Jesus. What's happening here? Romans 1 is happening here. God is giving Israel over to their sin and idolatry. Go get mercy from your guys on the side. Go let them help you. Go, go, go to those guys for forgiveness. Go to your idols. And think about it like this, saints. The northern kingdom is already living this name. They're already living it functionally. They're already living like people who are not loved by God. They're already living like people who are not dependent upon God who are not dependent upon his mercies. They're already living it. What God is doing, he's defining the current status of the relationship. Y'all are already doing this. I'm just calling a spade a spade. I'm just calling you out for it. And they would no longer benefit from their unfaithfulness and disloyalty. And so Israel, again, is getting ready to experience some natural consequences. Not just a, a physical wilderness, they're getting ready to enter a spiritual wilderness of their own making. Because they won't repent. Spiritual wilderness. Have you ever been or experienced a spiritual wilderness? And that's what this second warning means for us in America. That that we can go into a season of, of this feeling like we're not close to God. Again, am I the only one who feels that? Am I the only one who's been through that? One pastor says that times will come when, when those daily mercies of the Lord may be withdrawn and, 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 and we are abandoned to our own folly that we might learn to turn back to him. It's the prodigal son. Give me my blessing. Give me my inheritance, Father. Okay. I'm going to the far country. And then what happens when it gets to the far country? Man, life will show better back home. Life will show better back home. Because sometimes God said, okay, you want to be naive and stupid? Go ahead. Go ahead. But you'll be back. It's only a matter of time before you realize I always had your best interest in mind, even when I tell you no. So he lets us go to experience, and that's the consequences of our choices, in order for us to turn back to him through repentance. Through repentance. Not beating yourself up. Not calling yourself all sorts of names. When the Spirit convicts, repent. 
The enemy is the one who condemns, not the father. Finally, Gomer gives birth to uh, uh, the baby child, and this is another boy. In verse 9, the Lord commands Hosea, call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I'm not your God. Again, harsh words. And once again, the Lord is defining the relationship. He's calling them out. He's calling a spade a spade. Again, they're already living like they're not God's people. They're living like the Lord isn't their God. They're living like pagans. And I got to tell you, as Christians in America, it's easy to live like pagans. Because all we got, all the stuff, it's easy to live as if we don't need and dependent upon him. Do you honestly think you are where you are just because you went to a certain school, born in a certain family, and live in a certain nation? Is, is that why you have what you have? Or is it because the Father has blessed you? Which is it? Is it God's faithfulness or is it just simply your hard work as an American? Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. Which is it, saints? As Christians, as beloveds, we, we believe in that, that we are where we are because the Father is providing for us. And so if the Spirit re- re- convicts you that, hey, you're living like a pagan, repent. And so what is Israel's natural consequence here? There is a relational wilderness where they feel they're not as close to God as they used to be. And that is what happens if you continue to live in self-sufficiency. Like, I got this. I'm going to do this. It's me, 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 me. And when you're doing that, your relationally, it pulls you away from God. And when the Spirit reveals those areas of your life, get on your knees and ask the Father, bring me back home. I repent for how I wandered from you. And this happens and when you have things are well in your life, and this can happen when things get hard in your life. There's always a temptation to run from God. This is not just an issue with ancient Israel. God's people forever have been struggled with this because we live between the comings of Christ. The question is, do you recognize it when you're doing it? And can you repent of it? And sometimes you can't see it. And that's when a brother and sister comes and say, hey, we need to talk. Because the Father's been giving me a, a word to share with you. And when that happens, don't brush them off. Maybe God is sending them. Maybe they're your Hosea. Who knows? Who knows? God's DTR with Israel doesn't end with just pronouncements of judgment. It doesn't end there. If it ended there, it would be like all kind of hopelessness. It ends with pronouncements of restoration, reconciliation, promises, hope, and salvation. Do you know what Hosea's name means in Hebrew? What does his name mean in Hebrew? Does anyone know? God saves. God rescues. God delivers. You see, 
he's going to reverse all those judgments that he just pronounced on his own people. He's going to reverse them. Because why does he do that? Because God is faithful because he cannot deny himself. That's why. He, he, he remains faithful even when he disciplines his people. He, he, he's not going to deny who he is when we deny who we are. These are all promises. And nor does he break his promises. He remains, and, and we see this in verses 10 through 11. See, he remains faithful to his promise to Abraham. What is God's promise to Abraham? Does anyone know? You would be a great nation, and all the world would be blessed through you. And now, if he completely wipes out his people, that promise ain't going to happen. Look at verse 10. You see the promise. You see God being faithful. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or outnumbered. Israel will not be completely wiped off the face of the earth. Why? Because God is faithful. He disciplines us, but he's faithful, and he's just, and he's fair. And that is a future promise. Second, he promises adoption. Look at verse 10b. And in the place where it was said, you are not my people, it shall be said of them, children of the living God. These are all amen statements. So what does that mean, Pastor? Reconciliation, restoration, peace with God, adoption, beloved sons and daughters. That is what he's promising. Why? Because he can't deny himself. And all these promises are based upon him. Who he is, not on who we are. And third, he, he promises them community. Look at verse 11. The children of Judah, the children of Israel, shall be gathered together. That means the northern, the divided kingdom, the northern and southern kingdom, will one day be united as one covenant people of God. One people. Amen. And fourth, he promises them one true king. And they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall, be, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day in Jezreel. Look at what he's done. He's turned a day of judgment into a day of celebration, a day of despair into a day of happiness. Because we know who the one head is. They don't know that yet. Because we're looking back into history. They're living the history. And we know that one head is Jesus. He is that one head. And what we realize, and what they don't realize yet, is that in all of our DTR talks with God, Jesus is the mediator. He's in the room with us. Bridging the gap between us and God. And through faith in him, your relational wilderness, your physical wilderness, and your spiritual wilderness can be healed through faith in him. Without Jesus, you will be lost in the wilderness forever. Now, you may have prosperity. You may have a good life. But at the end of the day, you're still lost and you're still a pagan. But if you want freedom, if you want peace, true peace, not the Stand in your hands, peace. That is through the one head, Jesus. 
And if you have faith in him, he welcomes you to partake of this meal before you at this table. And this table is a reminder that God will always be faithful to us. Meditate on that. The Lord's Supper is a reminder that your God will always remain faithful to you. Always. Even when you mess up. Even when you're under discipline. Even when you wander to the far country. He's still going to be faithful to you. Meditate on that. Remember that. Friends and neighbors, if you do not profess faith in Christ, thank you for being here. And if you have questions about salvation, questions about what it, while we're taking communion, and questions about how you can be saved, please see me at the end of the service, or you can talk to one of the elders, and we will gladly sit down with you and share the good news of the gospel with you and tell you how you can get out of the wilderness through faith in Christ. Adults, we ask that the kids with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the church that you are a member of. Now, TVC kids and youth, now some of you are taking communion for the first time, right? Oh, you did? oh I, was, I must have wasn't here. Oh, I was out of town. Yes, okay. So kids, TVC kids, give your attention to Pastor Alex. This meal is a reminder that Jesus loves you. This is what this meal reminds you of, that he really loves. Not only loves you, he likes you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And as your pastor, it is my prayer that each and every one of you will come to saving faith in Christ and be able to partake of this meal with us as your covenant family. So until then, little kids, observe and watch. And if you have questions, your parents have my number. I can ask you. I can answer your question. Just say, text Pastor Alex. I got a question, and I'll text back. Cause I'm your pastor too. I'm not just a pastor of the adults. I'm your pastor too. So let us go to the Lord now, and ask Him to bless the Lord's table. Holy Spirit, this as is with the preaching of the word. The Lord's table has no power. If you don't use these common elements to provide spiritual nourishment to, to his people. Like, we don't provide spiritual nourishment to ourselves. You do it. You live in us supernaturally. And you know the, the places where we have pain, the places where we are sick, the places where we are blind, the places where we are broken, the places where we need healing. And so I pray that... That, that you will use this table to provide real spiritual nourishment to all of us, to our fatigue, to our weariness, to our frustration, to our anger. Do it, Lord, for our spiritual well-being and flourishing and for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat this. Do this in remembrance of me.
is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquities, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day. For night and day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Christ's body broken for all of us. Eat of it, please. In the same manner, he also took the cup. And having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission. God, for in you I take refuge. I said, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from all my enemies. 
Christ's blood shed for all your sins, past, present, and future. Drink from it, all of you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your one sacrifice that was enough. That you do not require us to sacrifice ourselves, nor do we need to get up on the cross with you. Your blood is enough. And our prayer is that these elements that we have just partaken of, the Holy Spirit, you will use those elements to bring real, true, spiritual nourishment to each of us this upcoming week. And I pray for all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. We are please stand as we close our song, our service with our final song. Join us again 
uh, next Sunday. Also, again, uh, pray for the session meeting tonight that God will give us wisdom as we deal with the business of the church. Now, receive God's benediction. May your whole life prove that God is good. All God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another, saints.